Welcome to Conversations With. My name is Shaley Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. Sharing our stories will educate others, bring more understanding, shed more light and smash more stigma. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone, welcome back to an episode of This is Bipolar. If you haven't listened before, I'm Shaley Hugendorf. I am a mom, a wife, an event planner, an elementary school teacher, and a fierce mental health advocate. I live with bipolar 2 disorder, and I just believe in storytelling, and that's how we're going to smash stigma. And I'm really excited because we've started um, with our conversations with interviewing people that have sent in submissions. So I don't know the full story of the people I'm interviewing. So this is gonna be as exciting for me as it is for the listeners. And so instead of reading, I don't know if you've heard this Holly, but I, the interviewing, awesome for me. Reading people's bios, all of a sudden I forget how to read English. I don't, I don't even know what happened. So I would love if you would tell us a little bit about your bio and about just so a few things about you. Okay. Do you ever get anybody that's like, oh my God, like I'm going to have to read my own bio. And yes, oh I totally God. have. Cause then I put them on the spot. Right. But I, know, I just okay. pronounce everything. Like it's so awkward. I know. Um, well, my name is Holly Spurdy. I live in um, North Carolina in the United States. So, um, and I have lived here most of my life now. I will say that I was born um, in like Alabama. And so kind of always a Southern girl and all that. So moved around a little bit, but North Carolina is my home. And um, I am sort of, I would call myself like a creative preneur. Like I'm a creative person. I've always been into like arts and music and all of that. And I also love entrepreneurship and business. And so yeah. I launched my own business. Um, I basically, mostly I'm a writer. So I do a lot of copywriting and blog writing and email writing and social media for people and a little bit of project management. So there's, I, I always tell people that I have a little bit of like the left and the right brain that kind of love work together. It. So I like a little detail and a little creativity and it all kind of like just gets like, you know, yeah. in there or something. <laughs> so anyway, um, I am a mom. I have um, a little boy who's eight and then I have two bonus kids from a second marriage that has been an absolute godsend blessing to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my uh, older kids are 20 and 18. So yeah. it's quite, it's a little bit of a gap, but my son is thrilled to have siblings. Yes, <laughs> It's so cute. So, um, and and then we also have two dogs and I am that person that talks to my animals and feels like, you know, they are my babies. So I have to include them in the family. Yeah. Same, <laughs> don't same. Have a car sticker. <laughs> same, same. I, my parents had like, they were hippies and had like a dog yeah. sled team and all of these things. And I'm like, this is too much work. I'm never going to be a dog person. And then I had teenagers and I needed someone to be like excited to see me and love me. Always. Yes. yes. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I buy awesome. clothing for my dog. Oh my God. <laughs> you do. <laughs> it's so fun. It brings me, it brings me so much joy. Well, right. thank you for sharing that. Please. I would just love to dive right into your okay. story. And yeah. I'm just wondering, like, 
it could be looking back or maybe mm-hmm. you realize then, but at what age did you start to notice that maybe something was a little different or um, struggling with, with mental health or, or um, different interactions with people? I'd love to yeah. hear. Well, I can say that I think while I was living it growing up, I probably didn't have as much awareness, although I do remember having times being in like elementary school and then again in like middle school and particularly in high school. And I have heard a lot of people on your show and on other podcasts talk about how adolescence and somehow like that transition um, really like you start to notice, okay, wait a second. Like um, I can remember specifically what comes to my mind is this um, day at school where I did not want to be around people and I struggled in the hallways just to like please don't anybody talk to me I don't want to talk to anyone I want to sit in the back of the class I want to be invisible so just sort of that like depression that would sort of linger for you know a week sometimes 10 days um you know I I would say that um I'm a rapid cycler so I would experience almost like lows for seven to 14 days or so. And then all of a sudden kind of come up out of it a little bit, Mm. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So I, you know, when I think about that, now I look back and go, I was dealing with mood disorders, like every other week where it was like, lows and then all of a sudden you know a day or two where I couldn't hardly sleep I was super jittery I super talkative it was those moments that I signed up for stuff like talent shows that later I was like why am I doing (laughs) yes yes I hear you You like like on the days when I was super extroverted because I had a lot of energy and a lot of words and I had slept much and I felt on top of the world and like I could just do anything put me on a stage let me do a drama you know it was like and then like a week later I'd be like why in the world would I sign up for something like this you know what I mean I do know what you mean sometimes I'd be like will future Shaylee hate me for this like that's my (laughs) that's my double checker now I know. Um, And I even remember in my 20s having a hard time, like professionally or even like volunteering at church, because I would say yes to a lot of things that I didn't like. I was like, why am I saying yes to this right now? I'm not going to want to do this, or I don't. Or later I'd be like, I don't want to do this. And at the time, I would really be hard on myself to say, like, Mm -hmm. I just had some kind of character flaw, like that there's something wrong with me. And really, what I was experiencing was those like times when I was super interested in feeling great. And then I hit a depression and would just not want to be around people, exposed to people. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be mm. on a stage. I don't want, you know, like that's just yes. sort of how it manifested for me. Um, and so, I mean, I went many, many years with sort of that kind of ups and downs and cycles. And, yeah. um, you know, I had a really hard time making friends. Cause I remember a girlfriend of mine that, um, was like, you know, and at the time, nobody just really had a lot of awareness about mental health, I think. And she just was sort of like, you know, it's really frustrating when, you know, you will make a plan and then you'll just cancel last minute. And then it really hurts me, you know, because it feels like you don't want to hang with me. And, and then a week later, you're acting like everything is totally great and fine. And Hey, let's hang out. And I'm like, well, are you going to make a plan with me? And then we're going to cancel, you know? Yeah. And I, and I seriously, I mean, that stuff hit me like so hard. Like I am a Enneagram four, Mm, (laughs) I'm an artist, I'm deep feeling, very emotive, you know, and like words are really like a big deal and it really would hurt me. But, Mm -hmm. but I, 
didn't know how to take the responsibility because I really couldn't understand even what was going on yeah. in me, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess um, it really took sort of a season, I think, of um, a not so great first marriage, um, mm -hmm. a lot of infertility issues. I went through years of infertility um, and a lot of like trauma that you experience around miscarriages and just mm -hmm. the ups and downs of even that whole journey, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, I think when I got to a certain point in that journey, which I can share, I was like, I have to get help because there is something else going on. And I'm yeah. not like, I'm not this person that has some sort of horrible, dark character flaw, you know, yes. and I need to stop thinking of myself like I'm a bad person. There is something going on and there's a lot of it that I can't really control. There's, and, you know, I wasn't the one that was like blaming everybody. I mean, I'm grabbing every self-help book I can find and I'm yes. devouring, like, how do I fix this in me? How do I fix that? I break appointments and how do I fix that? I can't remember this or, you know, it was like, I was so hard on myself for so many years, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, I'm just going to pause for a second. If you have any questions. Yeah, just... no, that's, that's really powerful. What you said. And I think now us being more aware, I think the problem too, is that with like our families of origin and it not, um, you know, it not being spoken about a lot, a lot of, especially with girls, yeah. um, you know, or those identify as, as female, it's yeah. written off as, you know, teenage hormones or, yeah. or things like that. And if your parents, like I was the first kid mm -hmm. and I was their only mm -hmm. daughter, so they had nothing to compare it to. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it was just, you know, deep, deep feelings, mm -hmm. but I kind of knew that it was yeah. more than the people yeah. around me. Right. Absolutely. And the way I would attach to people. And it was like, yeah, like you said, embarrassing. And when you're that young and even when you're older, actually, it's hard right. not to, um, you know, blame yourself. Like what's wrong with me. And then you just yeah. develop this. I think that's really important. What you, what you said, this inner critic. So on the outside, we mm -hmm. might look flaky or not like a good friend or Yes. I don't know if you're like this, but sensitive when someone calls me out because I've already berated myself a jillion yes. times. So then absolutely. when I hear someone else say it, I'm mm -hmm. like destroyed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I could not take criticism. Like it yeah. was horrible, you know, and I, it's like you said, I even had family members that would question me like, well, you wanted to do this. Like you told us that you wanted to do this. You told us you wanted to do a talent show or you told yeah. us you were very excited. I don't understand what's wrong. What's wrong yeah. with you? What's wrong now? Like what, you know, I heard a lot of those messages really loud in my mind, like what's wrong with you. And yeah. I, I, you know, you know, when you look back and you're a parent now, and I'm a parent now, you don't really sometimes realize the things that you say and how it affects your kids. And I yeah. just always tell my son now I'm like, I'm like, buddy, and I tell even the older kids, I'm like, let me just break it down like this. Mommy is not perfect. And yeah. I'm probably not going to do everything right with you. I'm going to try my hardest, yeah. but I'm prayerful that, you know, you'll have people in your life and you'll have people that will fill in the gaps where I didn't do yeah. such a great job, you know, like, yeah, because I mean, what are you going to do? It's like, it's like, I don't sit around blaming my parents or my family, but no one really knew about it. And then there's that whole other layer of like growing up in, Christian communities and <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying and I know exactly 
exactly what you're saying. Oh Lord. I mean, yeah. I, we could have another podcast about that because yes. I got stories, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, yeah. you know, just the idea of like, um, it is not talked about like it should be in Christian communities. And I have even had and encountered people say things like, you know, well, you're just not reading your Bible or you're not praying. You're not close to God. Like if you were close to God, you wouldn't be having these depressions because, you know, God is not in that, you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. do not and, be anxious in anything. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Well, okay. Uh. <laughs> And it's like, well, I'm hooped, right? Right. I, I felt that so deeply. And I know we get messages all the time. And I'm still, uh, I even, I struggle with the, the word um, Christian, even just because of what's yeah. going on. And you right. live in the States and in the South. Right. So I can imagine that yeah. has a lot of big connotation. And exactly. I'm a woman of faith, but I've written about yep. that a few times yeah. too. Just, yep. it isn't. A lot of the times it's well-meaning, but sure. it's not really acceptable anymore, right? Yeah. Like it's not, there's no. too much information out there. And I'm just, if you're listening and you're going through something like that, mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with your faith. No. And honestly, uh, the God I believe in would be sitting um, like, we're supposed to be the messiest, I think, in those absolutely. in those times. And I'm like, absolutely, I'm grateful that you said that because it's just, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. just so much hurt in that, mm-hmm. in that area. And it there, really, there really is. saddens me. And also too, like you mentioned, like you're also this extra pressure, you know, of your personality, like then you're not the, you know, good girl. I'm using right. quotations for those that are listening, Rotation. air quotes, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. so that, that adds to it, right? Yeah. The guilt and the shame. It really does. And, and you're right. The word shame is huge because mm-hmm. shame also causes so many people to not talk and to not speak up and say, like, I'm struggling and I love God, or I'm a person of faith or I'm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then, but won't say because they feel like, well, they have to have it all together or you feel like, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, the language of how to use this and if you need to edit it, totally fine. But the idea of like, even going to a like religious service and then telling, pouring your heart out and now you're someone's project, they're going to pray for you and they're going to call you and they want to know like, you know, and there's some people that are well-meaning and then some people that almost like codependently latch on to people that are, you know, quote unquote, air quotes, hurting or whatever. (laughs) And they won't like acknowledge or affirm that maybe you should like talk to a therapist or maybe you should. It's like, no, we just need to have more prayer and you just need to read your Bible more and that's going to fix it. And it does not fix it. Like I am the living proof that I love, you know, my faith and I love God. And I, I agree with you, Shaley, that like some of the darkest moments are actually the times when I actually felt that God was the closest to me Yeah. in those moments of like, I don't even know what to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And another thing, I don't talk about it a lot on here. I talk about it more like on my other page, but uh a lot of the advocacy that I do, I do in churches. I do. uh, I, I talk like this, this is more helpful. And I completely hear what you're saying. I would lie because I felt like people were so desperate to put me on the other side of the prayer list, like the answered. Right. Right. Yes. 
Oh my God. I full on lied because I was like, you could feel their, the desperation. And, and honestly, yeah. I get that it's well-meaning, but if you're someone, yeah. you know, that struggles with this and struggles to know, it sure. is better to not say anything and sit with it that is. person than yeah. saying, you know, yeah. uh, platitudes yeah. or, yes. or yeah. Well, because I think there's definitely a, um, this, and I've done it, I'm sure to other people, cause Same. I grew up in this mindset, but this idea of looking at someone else from the outside and making a judgment of what they're doing externally to then prove or disprove whether, you know, they're, I don't know, like worthy of, um, an answered prayer or whatever else, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, um, and honestly, I don't know how much it's talked about in terms of like infertility or issues like that. But I mean, I have literally had people leave me Facebook messages, um, when I had left a congregation of, of, of faith and then moved to a different, just because I felt like it was just a seasonal thing for me. It was a season change. And it, there were lots of reasons why, you know, but yeah. no one's business necessarily. Um, but someone had known that I had a miscarriage in the middle of that. And they sent me a message on Facebook saying that I had, I was not in the will of God anymore. And that's <gasps> why I had a miscarriage. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. Talk about, I mean, you know, when you are already dealing with the oh, loss and yeah. then you have somebody that like wants to basically just shame you even more. It's like, what? I mean, you know, like, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. I, I, wow. I mean, I will be honest that I struggle to this day. Um, and I'm not really like a part of a community right now. Um, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm a part of a community of friends and people that we all believe the same and we, yeah. we encourage one another and that kind of thing. But I've, I definitely struggle with that um, just because of so much things that, so many things that are very hurtful to people that no one is like raising the flag to be like, hey, this is actually really damaging people, you know? Yeah, yeah. church hurt is, is that, real yeah. and you know what yeah. you can find communities of faith and god and maybe some people call it higher power not sure. just in buildings in sure. fact i find it a little bit more me too outside of outside. buildings so I yeah that too. was really yeah. powerful i'd mm -hmm. love to hear if you're willing to talk about it mm -hmm. um i have the question of when you went through infertility if you'd be willing to yeah. to talk about that and sure. if you were diagnosed then and not diagnosed then and how yeah just how that played and into it I would just sure. whatever you're willing to share I would love absolutely to um I had obviously I'd gotten married um young and uh it you know I can look back and say now that I can see lots of things that were not good at the time. I didn't really have any kind of awareness. So I wouldn't say at 20 that like, Oh no, this is a horrible decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Cause you just yeah. don't know what you don't know, but ultimately it really wasn't a good situation for me. And, um, uh, you know, I had a lot of dreams of, um, you know, having children and all of that. And I had been on birth control until I was about 25. Um, and then I wasn't on birth control. So I wasn't on birth control for five years and not really like trying, trying, but definitely like hope, hoping yep. and trying in just a very, you know, relaxed, casual way, nothing like going to doctor's appointments and all of that yet. And then I hit 30 and obviously things still were not happening. And I, you know, I was concerned, obviously most women do, they go, oh my gosh, I'm 30 or I'm 35, or I'm starting to like, you know, you're always hearing all those negative messages about like your clock and all this stuff, yes. which I feel yeah. like lately and now in our time now, people are a whole lot more 
sensitive and also accepting to go, hey, people are having babies at 40, at 42, at 45. Like if that's mm -hmm. your journey, then don't give up. There's lots of yeah. ways this can help, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, but for me at the time, it was like, I was really like, oh my God, I'm 30. And we've been trying for five years. Like that's a long time to it like is. not have. And I didn't get pregnant at all. So I'd had no miscarriages. I literally just did not get pregnant. Wow. So, um, so then at like 31, so I'd went to the doctor, I got like everything checked, everything seemed totally normal, no hormonal check, everything. And there just was no reason why I wasn't getting pregnant. And so they were like, you know, you do need to pay attention to like ovulation. And so I was taught sort of how to do that. And, and so I think that's probably what helped me actually get pregnant the first time, because mm. I was aware of the, you know, your cycle yeah. and more of like when you're the most fertile or when is a good window. And so, um, I did get pregnant the first time. And I, the first time I was only pregnant for about eight weeks. And then it was literally the day of my doctor's appointment. Now I'm really going to try hard not to cry, but I might. This um, is a cry space. I will okay. for your tears <laughs> if you need to. Okay. So, and at that time too, I was very like involved in my church. And there, so there was a lot of like, even just spiritual implications, things I believed then that I don't believe now. And so what I'll say is where I was then I went to the doctor's appointment and, um, that morning I got up and I started having a little bleeding and I panicked like, oh mm. my God. But mm. then I, you know, grab my phone, I'm Googling and like, you know, you read a lot of stuff that it's okay. Like you can have bleeding still in the early stages. It's not, yeah. doesn't mean that you're having a miscarriage. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to not overthink this, even though I was definitely overthinking and the yeah. anxiety, all of the bipolar two stuff that's kind of there and lingering is happening, you know? And so um, I get in my car to go to the appointment and I get into the uh, doctor's office and I tell the nurse, I was like, Hey, I was like, I just want to let you know that like, I've had a little bit of spotting this morning. I've had no cramping. I feel fine. But, and she was like, okay. She was like, well, just go take a, you know, you know, do your thing, the sample and all the stuff that they want you to do in the office. And, and then we're just let you see the doctor. Okay. And so she said, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and just do another pregnancy test just to be sure. And we want to check your, um, I think it's the HGC or CG, whichever one yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that they check to see you where you are, you know, and that kind of thing. And so I sat in that room for like the longest time. And the longer that I sat there, the more I knew that like something wasn't good. You know what oh, I mean? Like it just, yeah. I could tell. And the bleeding was getting heavier. The next mm -hmm. time I went to the bathroom, there yeah. was going to be heavier. So I, you know, waited for the doctor to come in and um, he came in and just very like, you know how they do sometimes just sort of like, um, well, you were pregnant, but you're not anymore. And it looks like you are miscarrying and mm -hmm. your levels have gone down. And, and he was just so like, just matter of fact about it, you know, oh, and I'm like, I've been trying for six, five years yeah. and this is how this gets delivered. You know, it was like, it was yeah. just very insensitive, but you know, I understand in their profession. I mean, sometimes it's just, you know, and he's like, but don't worry, you're young. It's your first pregnancy. Most people have miscarriages and, um, you know, you'll, you know, you'll just, you just need to try again. So I leave the appointment, not with the bag of you're a new mom, you know, and I walk out of a waiting room with pregnant women sitting there. Yes. Oh, yes. And like, just walk out to the car and sit in the car, kind of like, I don't even know what just happened, you know, and all of the hopes kind of dashed. And then I grab the steering wheel and I just do what I know to do. Like I'm praying and I'm just almost like, 
no, this is a lie. This is the devil, quote unquote, you know, like this is, you know, or whatever. And I literally went through almost the state of like, I, if I could just pray hard enough, it'll reverse what's happening. Oh. And it didn't, you know, and yeah. so then you go through the guilt of like, why didn't my prayers get answered? Like, why didn't, yeah. you know, all, I mean, I just, and I'm, and whether it's hormonal or also the hormones and how it affects you mentally, I've sunk into a depression for probably a good month. You know, yeah. um, I didn't talk about it much. Um, I didn't hardly talk to anybody, even my family, you know, I acted like I was totally fine, but I was not fine. You know, mm -hmm. um, I feel like, I feel like it's not validated uh, enough about how soul crushing that can be. I'm really sorry that happened to you. And I'm so sorry the doctor wasn't trauma informed yeah. and careful. Um, oh gosh. Yeah, that's terrible. Was, so uh, were you with your depression? I'm curious about, um, cause I know it's different with bipolar one, bipolar two, all the, the range. Mm -hmm. Are you able to, um, function and get out of bed like did you still work did you what did that look like physically I think um it's a little bit of both I think when I first had the miscarriage I just sort of let my and at the time I was working at the church so that's a layer that I kind of left out I didn't mean to but I was in full-time ministry for like oh wow time. so I I led worship I did music all that stuff and so at the time I was on staff at a church as their worship pastor or their worship leader which obviously creates another level of like you're supposed to be the one with all the faith, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so oh, um, yeah. I just let them know that I was going to need a, a bit of a break and then, you know, I could come back. And so I really did dread going back because I knew that there would be all the conversations about and all of the prayer meetings and all of the like, you know, um, praying over me and praying for me. And then everybody knows and everybody's mm. wanting to ask me. And I just... Um, I think that was part of why I eventually did. That was the community that I left because I just was like, I can't, I, I cannot do this level of like being everybody's project and everyone waiting for the miracle that no one is getting, including yeah. me, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I ended up, you know, I had two other miscarriages um, around like between the ages of like 31 and 35, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's all a little foggy, but then I had the last miscarriage that I had. That one was the one that kind of broke me. And it was the mm -hmm. one that like, in looking back, it may have been, it was, I won't say it was the best thing or it wasn't a good thing. It was a bad thing that God used like and and like for my good in terms of like I experienced the most healing in my life out of that mm -hmm. really horrible situation because yeah. for the first time I started to really care more about myself than about what everyone else thought of me I cared more about my own mental health and my physical health more than I cared about what my community would think what my family would think what my husband at the time would think it was like for the first time I kind of like took up my life as like this is my life like wow. it's I'm I'm not an extension of this religion this church this family yeah. this husband 
I'm an individual and I'm struggling and suffering and I'm just not going to do this anymore. And if nobody agrees with me and everybody thinks I'm crazy, I don't care. And I say that loosely because I don't like that word. Yeah. But like, if everybody thinks that, oh my God, what has happened to her? I just yeah. really don't care. Like I'm wow. going to get help. Yeah. yeah. I that love last- that you brought that up the both and, right? I feel yeah. like we think we need yes. to set up in a camp, right? There's people they will be like, yep. Uh, oh, this was a blessing. And I'm like, mm, um, um, it, it wasn't a blessing. It happened and it was terrible. Horrible. And yeah. something yeah. came out of it, right? Oh, it's yeah. the, I think acknowledging the both is much more, gives much more space for, for healing. Yeah. And I think that that's a really difficult for not just uh, neuroatypical people or people sure. with mental illness, mm-hmm. just all of us absolutely. as humanity. And then absolutely, especially, especially yes. with um, those of us trying to heal. And I'm so grateful yeah. you came to that. So during that time, mm-hmm. that was all undiagnosed. Yes. Undiagnosed. Yes. Wow. wow. Yes. And I did definitely experience, um, lots of the cycling in terms of like, um, I never experienced mania fully, um, but I definitely experienced hypomania. Um, the most reckless thing I did was probably like spending more money than I had needed, you know, just impulsively buying things or even sometimes impulsively committing to things that I really didn't need to be committing to, you know, like, Uh, anything, you know, that's going to take time and effort and commitment that really I wasn't and didn't even have to give, but I was doing it out of this, you know, like all of a sudden the sunlight comes out and you're like standing on the mountaintop moment. And the energy and the, you know, thinking that I'm awesome. I'm like, even though that is impossible, surely I could do it. I could totally do it. Yeah. I think that that's that's really important. And that's why I'm like, so talk about um, bipolar two, because it's what I experience is misdiagnosis, just Mm -hmm. because it doesn't look like what we've right. seen on t- like actual representation yes. on TV or things yes. like that. So a lot of times we mm-hmm. think that's our regular self yes. and then we have depression. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so important if you're listening and you're mm-hmm. unsure or you're relating to a lot of these things, I think the difference mm-hmm. is knowing your baseline and yes. what for you is out of character. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I didn't buy a boat or anything like that, but I spent, you know, uh, $30 a day for a month, right? You know, <laughs> that adds up and I did not have that money, right? I yes. have a whole new wardrobe, but, yes. and yes. so that wouldn't look strange to, right. to some folks. And I find that's why there's mm-hmm. such late diagnosis. Cause it, it mm-hmm. sounds like your story that it was a late diagnosis. Yes. A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it may even like financially look like, I just thought of this, but like, I would yeah. do the thing where I'd have a bill to pay. Yeah. I wouldn't pay the bill and would buy something yes. instead. And that being impulsive, that because the responsible thing to do is obviously to pay the bill and not yeah. to like go shopping and think that you have all this money to go shopping with. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, my that would it would manifest like that. And also I laughed so hard today that I listened to one of your episodes where you talked about that all of a sudden you're like texting all your friends these long messages. Oh my gosh, like lots of words. <laughs> I was driving in the car somewhere and I was literally like, me too, Shaylee, me too. Oh. <laughs> <I do that. laughs> like, but like, that was some 
something else where, you know, it's like, you realize like, oh my God, like that is like, I do that. Like I, you know, it's, it's just funny that it's, you know, you don't realize how that sort of manifests. Cause that's really not my normal me. Like I no. am a little bit of a, you know, um, what is it in the middle? Not quite introvert or extrovert, but sort of like in the middle of the omnivore. Uh, yeah, omnivore. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, but I'm not like this talkative, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, um, or like not just talkative, but super feely and wanting to tell everybody how amazing yeah. they are and how they you feel so deeply like, yes. And everything for me reminds me of someone. So yeah. I'm like, I have to send them that song or like Absolutely. art. Like I just, it, yes. and then it's oh, just yeah. like, I've sent my friend like 10 songs. And they're like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to listen to them. And they know my, my people know now, but I can imagine. Yeah. And when I was untreated, you know, uh -huh. we laugh because uh -huh. that's what it's not awesome in the time, right? And no, it, it brings a lot not. of embarrassment later. It like does. I, I, yeah. I messaged on Facebook like the guy I almost married like 15 oh. years ago, and I was like, I forgive you. Like he gives a crap, right? So embarrassing. Like for oh all that God. you did, yeah. It is. It is embarrassing, and it's like you said in the moment you don't really realize it just to you it just feels like this is what you're supposed to do and you saw something it reminded you of this person or oh I heard this song and I thought of you immediately and then yeah it's like reaching out to old friends and apologizing for stuff that you did I mean oh, I did, you know what I mean yes. like just and they are like what and I haven't talked to you in like 20 years yeah <laughs> okay well, and I read somewhere and I'll look up the account to give them credit but there's someone um, that I follow online and she made this statement and she said when you're hypomanic or manic it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like a statement or an idea it's a command yeah. it's a command yeah. or she used a different word like that like that's how urgent and like if I it's painful to not do the thing even though you might kind of yeah. be like eh, it's mm -hmm. not it doesn't what people don't understand is that there's not this space of there being a choice yes Absolutely. And, you know, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I equated there's when you say that it makes me think of that some of the only times that I've had like real arguments, like with my husband now is like yeah. when I've been in the state of like saying things without thinking them yeah. through very well, yeah. because it feels like I need to say this like right now and then immediately, immediately. And then not thinking about or being able to get out ahead of yourself. And I was telling him when I started doing taking medication, which we can talk about in a minute, but I, one of the first things that I told him that it felt different to me is that I felt like I could get a hold of myself. Like I could yeah. get out in front of my very big emotions and like, and just take a second to go, okay, let me just think through that for just a second before yeah. I send the text message or before I say that, or before I, and, you know, and, and for me, that's, that's what it felt like. It felt yeah. like, oh my gosh. Um, and I know I kind of skipped ahead to the medication thing, but I can tell you that, um, do you want me to talk about like when I got diagnosed and all of that? Sure. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, we yeah. just have jump oh, I love it. <laughs> so I, um, the, so I, 
going back to the infertility really quick, because I had my last miscarriage was twins at like 12 weeks. Oh. And that was much more like um, devastating because I had mm. never carried a pregnancy that long. And also I had never experienced a miscarriage like that. And so um, for anybody, like you always say, like a trigger warning, because I'll mm. just say that it was very intense and I had never like lost that amount of blood in my home. I mm. literally was passing in and out on the floor and losing consciousness. Wow. So when I finally got to the hospital, the nurse said to me, she said, listen, she said, I just want you to know that it's a miracle that you got here because your blood pressure is so low on both sides of the blood pressure that within about an hour, you were going to go into heart failure and you would have died at 37 on the floor of your bathroom because of the amount of like just the miscarriage yeah. and all the stuff that's happening. Wow. Oh my gosh. And when I say Shaylee, that it was literally like, it wasn't an outer body thing, but I felt like I got in a dreamlike state where I could literally hear myself saying, please help me, God. I don't want to die. Please help me. I just don't want to die. Like I knew that something was wrong and I needed to be able to get up off that floor. And I don't even know how I got up off that floor, but I just know like I got up. And at the time I was married to um, my first marriage. And I, like, I just basically said who incidentally wasn't in the room with me was sleeping somewhere else. And I, which is terrible oh, newsflash why yeah. we're not married now um but I just was like hey I have to go to the hospital now like I have to yeah. go now and um and so finally when I got there that's kind of what happened so um it was in that hospital room alone because um he just didn't come into the room and um well he was there and then he had to leave because of all the blood and all that stuff and so I was there by myself and mm-hmm. um the the um the woman talked to me and she was like I just you know want you to know it is a miracle that you got here um and just she was so sweet you know she just said a little prayer not like but just like you just squeezed my arm and was like you're gonna be okay you know that kind of thing and I laid there in that bed and I thought to myself you're right like I am gonna be okay there's something that's not right with me and it's not this like infertility stuff it's something else and um it really was there that I had pretty much decided, like, I don't think I can be in this relationship anymore. You know, like, there's just a lot of things I'm going to have to make changes. I have to like, start caring about my life. I only have one life, you know, (laughs) and I'm 37 and I almost lost it. And I was like, I just, I've got to get myself together, you know? Um, so anyway, um, Flash, flash forward then I separated and I got divorced and I was living in um, a, like a cute little condo place and I was so proud of it because it's the first thing that I had like done you know on my own oh, in a while yeah. and so you know <laughs> me and my little boy and all that and um, I came across you guys this podcast because I was looking for things on ADHD my son mm-hmm. um, now my son is um, adopted yes. so um, there was an adoption story in the middle of that maybe for another time but um uh, and again, a both end sort of a, you know, this was a horrible thing going on. And in the middle of it was this really precious blessing of this little boy, mm-hmm. um, totally 
that story in itself was not what I expected, but has been an absolute, like, thank you God for this miracle in my life. You know, it has been not easy all the time, but it's been, um, it's been a good thing, you know? And, uh, so I was researching for him and I came across ADHD online where you like an adult can take a test. And so I take this test thinking like, gosh, I'm reading this stuff and I feel like this is me, you know, like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's so many of these like symptoms I'm relating to, like, this is interesting. So I take the test and um, I get the results back and it literally says, I'm pretty sure you don't have ADHD, not in these words, but you should be evaluated further for bipolar, OCD, like all these other different, yeah. like, because it was like, I had some of the symptoms of ADHD, but yeah. I also had other things. And you know how the diagnoses can overlap yes. and it's a bit of a spectrum in terms of like, even just from like depression to mania and all everything that happens in between. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, I will say I did have the meltdown, like, oh my God gosh, what, you know, especially for the bipolar word. I mean, I had the stigma about myself. Like I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want to say the word. I didn't want to, I mean, I was like everything I thought about, I have been that person that would make fun of someone emotional and be like, oh, they're just so bipolar. And I'm like, forgive me, Lord. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't, but those stigmas are real and people legitimately make jokes about things in mental health it is not right like it's not we have to I mean we have to stop and I say we meaning me you know like I was a part of that had no idea um so anyway um I ended up I had already been in therapy because from the time that I had had that last miscarriage I had begun seeing a therapist um and that was the best thing I ever did I you know and it was a long journey so it was about two years later when I finally got a diagnosis I guess so I'd have been about 39. So I'm 42 right now. Yeah. Wow. So I'm very early in the journey. At first I didn't do any kind of medication at that time. Um, just because I wasn't, I didn't, I'm a researcher by nature and I want to read about things and really understand things very deeply, you know, before committing to stuff and all that. So I did, you know, a lot of reading and a lot of talking with my therapist about it, but I feel like it was about, it's been almost a year now, I think it's been 11, 10 to 12 months somewhere in there that I've actually been on medication. And I will say that that hasn't actually been easy either. I think I had a very romanticized idea that I was going to take medicine and everything was going to be perfect. Yeah. Great. Cured, right? Know. Cured. Yeah, Yeah. not the case. Like, you know, I've had allergic reactions to some medications I had been on Mm -hmm. and I had tried, you know, so I'm on my third medication now, but I really, I have a lot of hope for this one because I feel the best I have felt. I feel, um, just, you know, more steady and I can tell that it's helped with sort of the depression and the hypomania and kind of just bringing things back to center for me a bit. You know, I, I, I don't know if you feel like this, but I know that medication isn't a cure and you're not going to not feel some of those dips. I can just wake up in the morning and know like, like you can just feel it, you know? And, but with things like medication and therapy and stuff like that, that has helped to manage, you know, the symptoms and sort of be able to function as a a responsible adult. (laughs) Yeah. I do feel like that. I sometimes feel like uh, it, I don't know if people believe me sometimes, but I feel (laughs) more like myself because 
Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do the other healthy things because I didn't have reflective capacity. I didn't, I, it's such yes. a physical and mental experience for me. Yes. Like when someone says, Oh, count to 60 or take a breath. Do you know that is still so hard for me. And Absolutely. I've had my diagnosis for 12 years mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of wrapping my head around yeah. that whole idea that it. I need to live with it, right? Because right. I fought it for so long and I see yes. people um, and oh, it's man. so hard with the B word, bipolar, right? I used I to use know. different language. Me too. But I feel like there, it's very hard to go on a healing journey when yes. I was always thinking like, when can I get off? Yes. Or when is this going to go away? And I think yes. my greatest healing, like you said, with the other things right. was when I could be like, okay, I need to learn to live with this because fighting it is it's taking me nowhere absolutely and I resonate with that so much I feel like I've heard you say that before and that was something that I had like a me too moment with Mm -hmm. one of the podcasts going Mm -hmm. like yes I really need to more like commit to that healing journey matter of fact I have not publicly ever shared so this is my like wow like whether this is bipolar podcast and I'm so so excited about it. I literally said to my husband last night, I was like, I know this sounds really ridiculous. I was like, but I've been trying so hard to write about my journey, my own journey. And I've just felt so blocked. Mm. And I just had a passing thought, like a little cloud that just passed through. Like when I start talking about it and kind of like be very, like just truthful and vulnerable and not like holding back that I think the words that I'm looking for are going to be available to me, you know, for just being like, say it and be okay with that. This is my journey. This is the healing that I'm on. And, you know, hopefully my hope, obviously, I know yours is the same, that your stories will just help inspire and help someone that's on the journey. Like, I mean, you guys, your podcast was a lifeline when I got oh. that diagnosis. I can't even tell you. I listened to you and Julie every day. Like you guys were my gal pals. Oh, we are. <laughs> you were my gal pals. Yes. I laughed. I cried. I journaled. When I couldn't oh. journal, I would just listen or talk to somebody or call up my then boyfriend or date, you know, but we were dating at the time and just tell him all the things. And like, and he was so supportive and like, babe, I'm just so like, this is amazing. Like, this is so good for you. I'm so glad, you know, and I literally talked to you guys, talk about you guys. Like we just hung out. I have goosebumps. (laughs) I would literally just be like, I heard today, like I was just listening and Shaylee said, (laughs) as if we we had just been sipping coffee together across yeah. the table from each other, you know, like, oh. but it was, it really like impacted me so much. And I really do believe in like the power of telling stories. I agree with you and Julie, a hundred percent that it's, yeah. you know, there is an aspect of that. Me too. That word, it just keeps coming to me. Like just me too. When you can yeah. sit across with someone and go, ah, thank God. It's not just me, like me too. I, I've experienced that. Now I may experience it. Like I may have something that connects me to you. And then I have a little bit of a, a shading of my own experience, but to know that like, gosh, yes, I know what you're saying. Like, thank you for like Mm. giving language to, to me when Mm. I don't have language or hope when I'm feeling really upset and torn up about this, you know, like there's just so much that this podcast has done for me um, that, you know, I'm just so grateful that I found you guys on the podcast. <laughs> so, we're besties. Hello. Totally. <laughs> Hello. But that just means 
like I can't even tell you I know that sometimes you know because it's gotten like we thought our parents might listen to it you know like maybe (laughs) that we would convince yeah and so I think sometimes people think that you know that doesn't it maybe doesn't mean a lot to us or I get a lot of messages like oh you probably hear this all the time I'm like right yeah but I I still feel the things and also like I almost probably like monthly I'm like take it all down what was I thinking right like it's not yeah Yeah. it softens those edges and I try I've kept a note and I'll cut and paste Mm. people's messages or Mm. things people say and it just says you know, reminders for what you do, mm-hmm. because uh, like that, that just means everything. And sometimes, like I say, it's a little bit, I feel like <laughs> a little bit selfish because this is so healing for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just every time I hear a story, I'm just like, I, afterwards I have like this little, uh, you know, high, I have to keep it. I have to make plans to be calm the next day or that night, not go out because, yeah. um, even though they're hard stories and they break my heart and all of the things. Yeah. It softens the edges of the harshness Uh of what we experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so interesting that you keep messages because um, I do the same thing. I do it sort of in my phone. Um, And anytime that like someone in particular, my husband is just really precious about encouraging me. Mm -hmm. And he's been on this journey with me. He's honestly the only person that has known of this diagnosis um, until this point. And he has walked this journey with me and he'll just send me little notes here and there. And it's interesting. And I, I guess it is a part of the depression when you hit the depression and you feel like, you you just want to quit everything and nothing matters and it's very like you're questioning everything you do and you're questioning do you even mean something to someone you're just questioning all of like the is is my life like do I have any purpose does anybody care and I can literally I've will go through my phone because I've saved text messages from him where he's said things to me that have encouraged me and I I do the same thing. I'll go and just read and go, okay. And for me, there's something in that. Cause I think it's so much easier for us to hold on to negative things than oh, to things that like yes. give our like heart and our spirit like purpose. And so I've had mentally, in other words, like mentally, I hold on to those negative things that I hear and yeah. over and over and over, I'll say yeah. them to myself. And I thought, gosh, why is it so hard for me to remember good things people say about me? So I just started putting them in my phone so I could go read them when I'm having those days. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. And at first I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. But I'm like, right. Is this counteracting years of an inner critic? And the more people that um, struggle with lots of mental illnesses, our brain latches on. There could be 10 amazing things. Our brain latches on and remembers and stores the one thing. So I'm actually going back and getting my mom to, you know, Mm -hmm. dad, and I understand we all saw things differently, but tell me, remind me of the really uh, some really good times in childhood yes. right yes. Uh, yes. because I remember I, I just automatically remember the worst and I'm really trying mm-hmm. to um and not in a toxically positive way like the both right. end right yes. and how I realized to how I experienced something mm-hmm. even though to the outside person it might not have seemed like little mm-hmm. t or big d trauma mm-hmm. I experienced it and my body experienced it Absolutely. as trauma so it is valid 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I know what you're saying because I, I agree on the trauma thing. I wouldn't have had my trauma story maybe in childhood wouldn't have been, you know, like big T, but little T lots of things that still were very traumatic and very impactful to me, you know, along the way. Um, and yeah, it's so true. It's like, um, I don't know, that made me think like the idea that like it, even my son who deals with ADHD, I notice in him that if I get onto him or I say something, you know, like um, this or whatever it is, it's almost like two or three days later, he's still talking about that he, and I'm not thinking anything else about it and how easily it is to latch onto the one thing that is negatively said and not hear all of the other things that I've even said to him positively. Yeah you know? Yep. And it's made me go like, even as a parent to go, okay, I really need to be conscious of how much time I spend talking about, you know, if I'm having to correct or if I'm having to guide or whatever, and how I'm saying those things, yeah. because I think, you know, even like that, like how I'm talking to him and how I'm coaching him, that can come across negative if you're not careful, you know, and then yeah. what he hears is not what I meant, you know, and that yeah. may still happen, but I'm so much more aware of it now to go like, okay, for even that, then I also need to talk about all of the things that he's done today that I'm so proud of him for doing that. Yeah. I noticed that you didn't have to be told to pick up your clothes in the bathroom. You did. Yeah. You're yeah. amazing, buddy. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, I love that. And even like you see, even as adults, like we sometimes we forget to give, you know, give the compliment because mm -hmm. we feel like people know. And I'm like, mm. tell them. I love that yeah. quote or or whatever. It's like sprinkle kindness like confetti or something like that. I'm like, yes, because yeah. it really does. We're all really it really speaks to the whole yeah. inner child, right? I used yeah. to think that was all woo-woo, but mm. I am telling you, I'm doing inner child work and it is. Ooh. transforming mm -hmm. it feels absolutely bizarre yeah but I I really am it's one thing I never did and a lot because of the church baggage and thinking yeah. everything's new age you know probably what yeah. I'm talking about oh, and I'm like yeah I'm feeling you I know exactly what you're saying yeah <laughs> uh, like right there yeah 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 oh my goodness we I think yeah. we're gonna have to have a whole nother one on like, <laughs> faith and mental illness for sure I'm serious because it, yeah. it's very, it's a lot and very layered and, right. um, you know, it does need to be talked about and talked about more because I believe there are ways that communities of faith can come around people that are struggling mm -hmm. and, you know, encourage and help and also just understand, you know, like have some understanding of what's actually happening to someone because I can't tell you how many times I have talked to someone about it and immediately get sort of the like huh, you know like yeah you know and yes and that's why too I'm like uh, I really hope that not just like number one we're here for people our people sure but the second thing is yeah. that it's I want people to learn and one of the most biggest ways you can show love to me is mm -hmm. if like a friend or something is like yeah I was reading something mm -hmm. they want to understand you better yeah. it's like absolutely absolutely there are a lot of us I thought I was like there wasn't very many and the more I spoke about it it yep. just gives permission and you're like oh my goodness and now like yeah. I I just I can't even believe you. yeah it's like the it is the whole idea of like it's me too me too yeah. me 
yeah. you know, yeah. like, I know what you're saying. Well, I am um, so, so yeah. ridiculously proud of you for coming <laughs> on here and sharing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm so pumped to have a new bestie in the mix. Yeah, awesome. So awesome. <laughs> um, I just, before we, we end here, I would just love to hear if there's someone struggling right now, whether they're diagnosed or not, and they're just in the pit, mm. what, what is a word that, uh, or something that you would like to say to them? Um, I think, you know, one of the things when, you know, and, and whether you've experienced trauma or not, whether you know it or not, or whether you've gone through um, things that have almost made you sort of question what's good for you, because other people have tried to tell you what's good for you, mm-hmm. um, that maybe to just realize that, like, if you're struggling and you sort of have that feeling of like, I'm just not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, that it is okay to like say that to yourself and to almost like hold yourself in that space and have the courage to reach out and get some help. There, there are so many Mm -hmm. avenues, even this podcast, but then there's people in, I'm sure in communities that are therapists, people that care, that can help. And I think, um, you know, it's, it is scary to even consider certain, you know, diagnoses. And we all come with baggage from things that we've heard from our past or our families or the way we grew up or whatever, but nothing is worth, no sacrifice is worth like your own, like one beautiful life that you have Mm. and you can, you know, heal and you can find community and people that actually would be able to say back to you, me too. I'm, I'm there and I understand and I hear you and you're not broken and you don't have a character flaw. You know, you're not a bad person. You know, you don't, you're, you're just, there's something going on that you don't necessarily have a lot of control over and it's okay. There is a way to help and a way to get out of that kind of dark when the funk that you're feeling, you know? Um, and I think Shaylee, honestly, that is what I felt because, um, I listened to a couple of you guys's podcasts and that's when I started talking, um, to my therapist about like the bipolar, like issue Mm. and saying, I actually relate to them. And I've had this paper thing, ADHD online. And I feel like there's something there and I need to explore this more, you know? So, you know, I would just say, have courage to love yourself enough um, to like, really, all I can think of is the way I just felt like I just took up my life, you know, Mm -hmm. and was like, I care about me. And whatever this is, I'm moving forward, you know, so that's so powerful. Yeah, we just not disappointing yourself, you may disappoint or let other people down. But you know, you are worth getting that, getting that are, you are absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. And I am sure we will bring you back for so many other things. And we would just love to hear what you think. I will put all Holly's information (laughs) um, in the show notes. And um, I'm sure she would love to hear an encouraging word from our amazing community. Absolutely. (laughs) This is my polar. Thanks again for tuning in. You can find video versions of This Is Bipolar on our YouTube channel. We also have all our previous and soon to be future episodes of the podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play. 
we spend most of our time on Instagram at this.is.bipolar. There is a vibrant community there where we have conversations and post different ideas and different strategies and we'd just love for you to join us there. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. If you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. This is bipolar.